If you love how Dan Rather unravels amazing true stories, you gotta check out Music's Greatest Mysteries. That podcast will really get you thinking. Hey there. Welcome to Dan Rather's The Big Interview, the podcast for music lovers. Full of thought-provoking interviews and conversations like you've never heard before with some of the biggest names in the biz. Each episode will bring you exclusive in-depth interviews from your favorite artists, from classic rock and country to timeless music everyone enjoys. We cover it all right here on Dan Rather's The Big Interview. So sit back and enjoy these magnificent stories from the artists that lived it. Here's your host, Dan Rather. All the damage is done now. I'm out of control. Tonight, on The Big Interview, the amazing life story of a country music superstar, the one and only Winona Judd. You have been an absolute hit-making machine. Do you feel that pressure saying, everybody expects me to be a hit machine, I've got to be a hit machine this time. Do you feel that pressure? Not this time. I did. And I, I fired myself as manager of my career. Mama, he's crazy, crazy me. She climbed to fame from the hills of Kentucky with her mother, Naomi. Their group was the Judds. And while the music flowed, their relationship was anything but harmonious. Where are you in your relationship with your mother now? It's been up and down, where is it now? You're the first person I'm gonna say this to. Exclusive, Dan Rather, moment, because I just, I won't talk about it, it's too painful. What key is this in? She's about to hit the road again now for another tour, but she has plenty to say about her life, her relationships, and what's happened to the business she loves. I just want to be free, and I want to be able to sing the music that I love, and I'm singing it right now in a way that I never have. Tonight, one big sound, well, I can try, but one name, Winona. And the time's dragging by Tonight, well, on The Big Interview. You just can't love no one but you. Well, I've been cooped up all week long. Winona Judd's songs tell the stories of real life in America. Anthems for working people. You got some magic. I'll give you that. Empowerment to women. Going back no more. There's nothing that I won't do to be loved by you. And heartbreak. She is an American icon who rose from back-breaking poverty to the pinnacle of her profession. But it has always been a struggle. Nothing but her voice came easily. Winona Judd was born in 1964 in the small Appalachian town of Ashland, Kentucky. After her parents divorced, she and her mother, Naomi, and her sister, Ashley, knocked around the country, 
often living off food stamps and in homes without electricity or running water. Mama, he's crazy, crazy in the late 1970s, they finally settled down in Nashville. It was there that Winona and her mother formed what would become one of the most successful music duos of all time, The Judds. Her younger sister, Ashley, went on to Hollywood, where she became an A-list actress. You've been searching from here to Singapore. The Judds had 14 number one hits and won five Grammy Awards in their careers together. But in 1991, Naomi became seriously ill with hepatitis C and nearly died. Naomi retired from the music business only to recover and watch Winona launch out on her own with a bang. More chart-topping hits and platinum albums made Winona one of the most successful solo artists of the 1990s. Rolling Stone wrote of you that you were the greatest female country music singer since Patsy Cline. What did that do to you? Oh, right. everything. Greatest star since Patsy Cline. You know, I, I have tried my best to go as fast as I can towards that and earn it and have never felt worthy of that. That's one of those, how in the world can you even go near that statement? It's like trying to record White Christmas after Bing Crosby. I mean, it's just not, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, where we come from. So to me, I lean more towards um, being a stylist, yes, being uh, unique so that the girl who's tweeting me saying, I want to be like you. I say to her the very thing that Bonnie Raitt said to me, which is, there's already a Bonnie Raitt. You be Winona. And I'm like, okay. I was 16 at the time. I'm now telling these girls, there's already a Winona. She's taken. Be who you are. So I think of myself as now, I'm, I'm, I'm less pressured about it. Yes, when I was in my 20s, I did feel the need to be as great as I could be. Now you have to remember, I'm 18 years old and I'm literally sitting next to Tammy Wynette and she's talking to me about what it was like when she recorded Stand By Your Man. I'm, I'm listening to her and she's making me something to eat and I'm going, you know, and Loretta is sending me Christmas cards and inviting me to her farm and I'm going, wait a minute, you know, we're opening for the Highwaymen and all the greats, you know, George Jones, I'm at his house for Christmas with my kids and I'm going, how did I get here? You know, and so it is surreal, yet it was my life. So it's kind of a combination of surreal and, boy, am I glad this is my movie. Her relationship with her mother is a subject Winona usually doesn't discuss anymore. But during our conversation, surprisingly and suddenly, she had a lot to say. Where are you in your relationship with your mother now? It's been up and down, roundabout. Where is it now? Very sad. Very sad, um, to the point where I've, you're the first person I'm gonna say this to. Exclusive, Dan Rather, moment uh, is why I think of this, uh, because I just, I won't talk about it, it's too painful. Our last tour was uh, devastating. It's like, um, though it's not physical death, it's, uh, 
it's the end. And um, we, don't, we don't talk much. It's gonna take time, I think, and I didn't expect to cry. I think just because I'm a mom right now and dealing with teenagers uh, and paybacks are hell, <laughs> I miss her. And yet she feels, she has to feel like, let's put it this way, I don't text her and say, hey, I'm in, um, oh, you are such a gentleman. Everybody look at this. This is like serious gentlemen. Um, she is at home probably wondering where I'm at what I'm doing. And I think she misses the road. I make up that she is uh, struggling with, you know, not being with me because we've been together more than we've not. So it's really strange to go about this professionally, that she's my mom and we just don't talk. Why is that? I think there is a natural thing that people go through. I don't care for the word retirement. So I'm not gonna use that word, I will say transition. I think the transition from going 100 miles an hour every day, now think about it, we had, she had costume changes, we had major production. You go from being that center of attention, thousands and thousands of fans every night. I mean, we had two meet and greets, they were so big. Too many people, too much of a good thing to sitting at home and listening to the silence has to be debilitating at times. And for her, she's so emotional and, and oh God, she loves a crowd. I think even more than I do sometimes because I'm very introverted, believe it or not. And I think we used to talk a lot about, you know, mom, you love this more than I do. I love the music and the people. Like doing this was more about you as a person. Thank you know, you. I've, I mean that and I wanna answer the questions that you have because I think I'll learn something, maybe even about myself. I don't know, I just think it's an opportunity. And the fact that mom doesn't have it, I definitely have survivor's guilt of feeling like I'm going on without her. I, I don't wanna dwell on this, but I wanna come back to the relationship with your mother and the rest of the family. Correct me if I'm wrong, you all live on a farm, mm -hmm. uh, one piece of property, yes. however, but you have separate places on this yes. piece of property, mm -hmm. and you seldom, in some cases, don't see each other? No. Well, tell me about that, because that strikes some people as weird. It is. All families are weird, and they have their set of circumstances. Um, the only thing I have in common with my sister is a father um, missing and a mother that's both of ours. She and I are very different. We don't um, communicate nor do we spend time together and that's a long history of being apart. I, I, I was away from Ashley at age 18, she was 14. And I think at 14 Ashley became independent of the family. I think out of necessity. You know, kids are gonna do what they do to have their needs met. And I raised Ashley, so I think there's a lot of work we still have to do about where do we find the sister in all of this. You know, I'm not just the, she called me sister mommy, and I really had a hard time with that because I was like, I don't want to be your mommy, I want to be your sister. But the way life was, I was famous at 18. I wasn't there for her prom. I wasn't there as a sister. And we've just developed, it's like a marriage that's developed separate lives. We have been running really fast. Success is a 
a good thing and it takes you away from the people you love. It just does, you know. I've toured with my mother for 30 years. I've given her as much of my life as any, you know, daughter can. That was a full-time job. <laughs> and because of those dynamics, honestly, and this is hard to admit, but it was almost as if I had to pick one out of the two. And at the time, I was so busy, Dan, being reactive, it was hard to be proactive. Now that I'm older, I'm seeing time slip away. We've missed out on a lot. I have a lot of tears for the times we've missed out on. Ashley has her agenda, I have mine. I have two kids. Ashley's, you know, single and she travels the world. I can't do that like she can. I don't have that, you know? My choice right. is to be a mom and I'm at home and if she's texting me from Scotland, that's been our life. Does that mean that, oh, they don't get along and we disagree on everything. Can you tell me any sister relationship <laughs> that has a, you know what, you're right. <laughs> I don't think so. So you're right, we are dysfunctional. I never knew my father. I found it at 30. The man who I thought was my father is not. There's stuff in there. We've been very honest about it. It's made us who we are today, broken and blessed. You're listening to Dan Rather's The Big Interview. We'll be back with Winona Judd. Welcome back to Dan Rather's The Big Interview. Today's guest is Winona Judd. This is a side of the superstar lifestyle that her fans will never see. Practice. It's less than a week before Winona and her band, led by her husband, Cactus Mosier, head out on tour across America. It is impossible to precisely describe the power of her raw performance. But after more than 30 years of singing to sell out crowds at giant music venues across the world, Winona is trying something different. We're doing this tour, and it's really scary, because this, this is it, right? She says she wants her audience to connect deeply with her music. Where are my dancers? So she's decided to begin the year with a tour of smaller venues, leaving all the electronic whistles and bells at home. This time, it will be just the woman and her music. When you tour, you talked about an, a new sound for you. What are you talking about? I'm returning to the well. I'm making my voice the main instrument. Um, I think sometimes we get distracted by too many instruments. We get too much about production. And I'm literally thinking I'm gonna walk out on stage on this tour and just belt out something a cappella, which for me is, just doesn't happen. So the sound is, as my husband called it recently, just to try to nail it down, 
is sort of the, the idea of Civil War rock in that it's Civil War based on going back in time and getting down to the nitty-gritty instruments of what it was like in the early times as well as rock in that it still just has, you know, oomph to it. So it's a combination of traditional and the new. It's just simple and raw and it makes, I know this, I was in the studio the other day and heard the track and I wanted to run really fast. It does something to us, primal, you just hear these instruments and it makes me want to boogie. Oh my gosh, and it's so awesome to have that at this point in my career. Listen, I know that it, at least at one time it was the, your practice to have a theme for every year, a family theme. As we said here at the beginning of a new year, do you have a theme for this year? I actually want to be credited with the fact that I knew you were going to ask me this question because it is such a, a New Year thing as well as, you know, words are so powerful. I knew you were going to ask me and I have picked out a word. Every year, uh, most of them come, uh, start out with re, you know, re-establishing, re. Mine is recovery. I'm recovering so many things. Um, I'm recovering some of the things that have been lost along the way. Things that have been lost along the way. What's been lost along the way? Um, a little bit of innocence here and there. You know, we get jaded. We get uh, so darn smart. We get, um, what is it that I read recently about uh, having decided to join Twitter, which has been both a blessing and a burden. Um, just the recovery of the wonderment of why I got into this business in the first place, and that is to sing. We get bogged down by the business, by the expectations, by the things we read, the pressures and the expectations are overwhelming, especially right now, that I want to recover from that perfectionism and be, as I said earlier, you know, imperfect, perfectly imperfect, and allow myself to play. I want to recover my lost innocence of just waking up and saying, you know, good morning, God, instead of, oh, God, it's morning. <gasps> what have I got to do to be a champion? Because I was raised to be a champion. I know how to work hard. I just want to recover from all the stuff that we endure in 30 years of being professional. Well, being professional in your work, what are you specifically working on now? You have a new album you're working on? Have you mm -hmm. finished it? Are you still in progress working on it? I'm working as hard as I've ever worked. I don't know about you, but as I get older, sometimes it feels like I work twice as hard to get half as far on particular days. <laughs> I know that feeling really okay. too well. In my 20s, I took it for granted. And I talk a lot about that on stage, about being 20 and literally sharing a dressing room with Tammy Wynette, Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton, the greats. Uh, the legends, the sheroes and heroes that I grew up with. And now that I'm 50, I'm one of them. And that younger generation of greatness is now looking up to me and I'm going, what does this mean? What's that responsibility? How much of it do I own and how much do I let go? And so for me, um, I just want to be free and I want to be able to sing the music that I love and I'm singing it right now in a way that I never have. And we're making a record live like they did in the good old days, where you sing it while the band's playing. And it's, again, perfectly imperfect. I think this theme this year is to get away with as much as possible um, and have fun. Well, you, 
You talked about feeling the pressure, and one of the things you want to do is mm -hmm. feel less pressure and do what you really want to do. But you know, your record shows, I'm a believer you are what your record is, that's mm. your record in life. Your record shows that you have been an absolute hit-making machine. You've had, what, I don't know, at least 18 number one hit songs. I've lost count. When you go in and you're, you're involved in your work now, do you feel that pressure saying, listen, uh, everybody expects me to be a hit machine, I've got to be a hit machine this time. Do you feel that pressure? Not this time. I did, and I, I fired myself as manager of my career. God's my boss, and, and it's not about religion, it's about spirituality. I got really tired and exhausted from um, feeling as if I'm the lone female on a Conestoga wagon, you know, crossing the Great West. I, I just can't do that anymore. I've done that, it's really exhausting, and I am relying on my team more. I'm delegating, I'm saying no. That was a huge one for me. By the way, for whatever it may be worth, and I suspect it won't be worth anything. <laughs> sure it is. My two favorite songs of yours are Tell Me Why mm -hmm. and Like No One Else on Earth. Mm -hmm. But what I want to know, of all the songs you've done, what is your own favorite? Today, it would be only love because of my experiences today personally. Depends on what state I'm in and what state I'm in. Honestly, it's like children, you know. I love them 100% uniquely. Today it's only love because the greatest of these is love and I need it today. I'm going on a little sleep, having traveled, you know, the four states in three days kind of thing. And I'm just, um, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time on my hair. I'm in rehearsal mode. Um, I'll break out the sparkles. Uh, Thursday night of next week, but right now I'm working. You know, I'm mama at home working with the dogs and the teenagers. My son comes in last night and, you know, I'm, I'm listening to him as a mom and then today I'm a singer and tonight I'll be, you know, feeding the animals and I'm just, you know, I'm working really hard and I want to be, I want to be unique. I don't want to necessarily be the best. And there have been times when I've wanted to be the best and I've wanted to sell more records and the word, you know, the term sellout is a huge deal to a lot of entertainers. I want to have joy, and you can't have that and everything at the same time, in my experience. Again, I can relate to that. I think almost anybody uh, who's been in public life, quote-unquote, could mm -hmm. relate to it. But with your permission, I want to go back to tell me why for just a moment. Okay. And ask you something that's been on my mind, and my <laughs> daughter, Robin, who loves your music, Hey, Robin. I suggested uh, a couple of times that I ask you. With that particular song, it seemed so personal, it seemed yours. Mm -hmm. Has anybody ever tried to cover that song? Karaoke. <laughs> I don't think they have the guts. No, I don't know. That's a really good question. We'll have to Google that. I know that I, uh, that's an interesting question, Dan, because I don't think so but I don't know for sure. I do know this, when that sound came out, um, Tony Brown, I love you dearly, a great producer said, your voice and your style, you know, is unique. And I went with that and I wanted that sound that was different than anything going on in the radio at the time. I made a conscious decision to be um, unlike all the other redheads as well as the other, you know, singers. I wanted to just be myself and darn it, it worked. And it went number one, and I was very famous for, you know, the week on Billboard. <laughs> and uh, that song, still today, I'll have a woman come up to me and say, I put my, you know, 
it, this is a compliment, by the way, in music. Um, my baby falls asleep to this song. <laughs> so to me, that's a good thing, because the yeah, 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 kids love it, they mimic it. And it's a big song for me, and I do it every night. I'm walking on a real listening to Dan Rather's The Big Interview. We'll be back with Winona Judd. Welcome back to Dan Rather's The Big Interview. Today's guest is Winona Judd. She was sitting cross-legged on the hood of the floor, filing down her nails with an emery board. Winona's life has been a roller coaster of extremes. From one of the most popular duos ever in the entertainment industry to a relationship with her mother so deeply wounded it may never heal. Besides her difficult relationship with her mother, she's been divorced twice. Then, two years ago, she married Cactus Mosier, a man she's known for 30 years. Finally, she thought, the stability and love that she craved. But shortly after their wedding, another slap of reality. They were riding motorcycles in the hills of South Dakota when Cactus was involved in a major accident. It all happened right in front of her. Her new husband, drummer in her band, lay near death on the highway. He survived, but lost his left leg. I was in two months of honeymoon bliss. I had all my outfits, literally in the closet hanging, ready to be worn. You know, the size eight, healthy, working out five times a week. Life is great. Uh, we're the king and queen of the prom. I've known him since I'm 20. I trust this man with my life. We're in a band together. We're rocking on stage. You know, I'm winking at him between songs. It's a love affair of all love affairs. It's awesome. It is so beautiful and storybook. It's like a childhood sweetheart, you know, thing. And then in seconds, I go from and the winner is, you know, five-time Grammy award-winning artist formerly known as the Judds to Mrs. Mosier, begging God for a miracle. And from there, we stayed in hospitals. From there, we went home to a newly renovated house that is set up for physically challenged. That's not my idea of the first year of marriage or even the first 10 or 20. Wouldn't be anybody's No, you're supposed to, I'm, I'm literally in the shower. Um, you know when they say, you know, she's my better half. I won't go that far, but I will tell you I was his other half. And I'm literally um, in the shower, standing there holding him up, because he doesn't have a left side. He has no use of his left hand and no leg. And I'm literally looking off like, you know, we're supposed to do this like when we're 80 or 90, and I'm not really ready for this, you know? We have a band, we have a tour, we have everything in life going for us, and why is this happening? Absolutely. I'll tell you what I didn't do, I didn't have time, actually, for the complaining part. My mother always taught us um, 
get up and move towards your destination. You know, can't die in the poorhouse. I remember that like yesterday. I just have a philosophy. It's not even about being, oh, why don't you're so strong and oh, this and oh, that. It's called necessity. If we didn't get up off our butts, we didn't eat. If we didn't hoe the garden, we didn't have food. It's not like, oh, I'm such a believer. I'm so gonna, you know, overcome this. There's no song of strength. There is a begging God to meet me, you know, at the finish line. I'm just trying to make it happen to where this man was told he's never gonna play again. And I'm like, I'm mad enough to square off with the devil and say, really? Wrong girl, wrong day. Is it good now or not yet? Beyond good. It's actually better. I don't, and this is really weird, I don't even see the missing leg. He is a stud on the ski slopes in Telluride for four days skiing. He doesn't stop. He doesn't say no. He goes, it might take me a little longer, but he doesn't say, can't do that. He just does it, and it's amazing. I don't know how he does it, but he does. He's one of the most joyful people, and it's great at the right time, but <laughs> I'm so, you know, emotional and spirit-filled, sometimes he'll be like, just breathe. Don't tell me to just breathe. You have a better chance of baptizing a cat right now, Cactus. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a life you've led. What a life you have led. I know. What is the I best know. thing that's happened to you? What's the single best thing that's happened to you in your adult life? My children that are absolutely bringing me to my knees on a daily basis. They are amazingly challenging. It's just <laughs> life. What's the worst thing that's happened to you? Oh, I've had a lot of loss this last year. I was actually really, really glad to see 2014, whether it was animals or loss of relationships long-term or um, even death, you know, of, of some of my dear uh, beloved legends like George Jones, just the passing of people, the end of an era, um, realizing that life is really short. I think for me, just the word loss in, in whatever form um, I lost a lot last year. One favorite hymn. Oh, Lord my God, when I wonder. I mean, I hear that and I go, and I've sung it at more funerals. I sang it at Tammy's memorial. I sang it at George's. I sang it at Carl Perkins. I mean, it's just one of those songs that I hear it and I just stop. It's on YouTube, I'm in Italy, and I'm singing in this 1600s built, you know, Catholic church. How great thou art. I am just, there's something about it. When I hear it, I just, my whole being just stops, and I go, is the Lord returning? You know, it's one of those songs. Amazing Grace, I named my daughter Amazing Grace because we almost died. And therefore, I'm, you know, I'm spiritual because um, I, I tried doing it all on my own and it didn't work. That line about, you don't know how much you need God till God is all you have. Now, I had a version of this earlier. I'm going to come back on it. And we're not being morbid here, but if it's, <laughs> if it's your memorial service okay. and they're going to play one of your songs, what One of song? my songs? Yes. What song would it be? I wouldn't allow that. Probably. That feels weird. Uh, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? I didn't No, but you don't get to say. Remember, you're gone. Oh, yeah. See, I'm still trying to control that. <laughs> That's my problem. 
You're saying if someone picked a song of mine yes. to play, what would if I pick? Come to me and say, Dan, you're going to have to pick one of my own songs. To sing or Just play? Just one, to sing or play. I can honestly say no one's ever asked me that. I want to be funny, because that's usually my first out the, out the gate. I would have to say Love Can Build a Bridge. Wait, did I just say that out loud? That's a Judd song. See how enmeshed I am with all that? I'm still there, and that, that little 18-year-old girl going, Mom, do you think I did a good vocal on that song? Um, I would say probably something gospel, one of my more um, spiritual songs, rather than something, you know, aggressive and rock chick, I would definitely go for something more tender. And, well, people who know me know what my heart pieces are. They're the songs that may not have even been number one, but the fans love them. There's a song we did called Guardian Angels, for instance, that the fans still ask for. That's a cult favorite, if you must have a term. So I don't know. I think it would probably be How Great Thou Art of mine, because it's just such a universal, there's no category. Yeah. How great thou art, how great thou art. Do you spend much time on Twitter? I do. Sending, I do. receiving? I'm, or? I'm really needing to quit because there's like two people right now that, best line I've heard lately, third of the people will love you no matter what you do. Third of the people will never love you no matter what you do and the rest don't care. Right now I'm dealing with the I don't care and I don't like you no matter what you do. <laughs> That's a challenge for me because I want everyone to think I'm you know, snappy. So I am definitely finding the toxicity of Twitter. And I said I would do it, and everyone's begging me not to because I'm literally giving this girl advice about how to deal with her drunk sister. That's country music. We are close to our fans. Telling the girl how to deal with her drunk sister. Yes. That's she's a young music. girl. She's a young girl. She's in a hotel room. They're coming to Nashville because they want to see the Hall of Fame. And the sister went out and came back wasted and she doesn't know what to do so she's asking me and I say well first of all I don't give advice I know what I did when I was dealing with an addict I don't know what else to tell you but here are your rights and people around me go why no no that's not good for you you are an artist not a therapist <laughs> well that sounds like pretty good advice to me. <laughs> so I don't know well why not take that advice I want to help people because I, I got help, we're supposed to pass it on. We're supposed to, in the program, say, here's what I learned, and pass it on to a young girl who may not have a father or may not have a support group. I feel for her. I was where she is. You know, I admire your candor. <laughs> and, you know, you're a straight talker. <laughs> journalists, journalists love straight talkers. <laughs> but is there someone around you who, from time to time, at least whispers in your ear, when would it be better for you professionally if you weren't quite so honest. Oh, about like a dozen. <laughs> I have, let's just put it this way. I don't think anyone's ever said, Winona, speak up. <laughs> just things I'm not going to hear. 
The good news is I say what people are thinking. The bad news, I say what people are thinking. You have to remember I was on a bus with my mother for 10 years. You'd do the same thing. If you were sitting there, you would just pretty much say it like it is. Because what are you going to lose? What, is she going to fire me? What, is she going to ground me from performing in a sold-out show? I mean, seriously, I'm 18 years old going, Mom, taste takes a holiday. Are you seriously going to wear that on, on the Grammys? <laughs> really? That's the problem, though. I was raised in that kind of truth. So when I came out of the shoot, and I, like you, name dropper, Oprah said, I love Winona because she brings it. And I thought, is that a compliment? That's a compliment. <laughs> so I have to go with it. I don't know what else to do because I think I have lived with secrets and betrayal and lies enough to where I don't want to be a part of that because secrets keep you sick. So I'm going to tell the truth because I think it's freeing. You've done so many television interviews. You've been on stage all of your adult life and part of your childhood. Tell me something you think people don't know about you. I'm really funny. I think people think I'm really serious because I'm terrified. Like the whole time I was doing Dancing with the Stars, I felt like people were looking at me like, well, she's all that. And it was because I was terrified. I was so terrified. I was looking for exits, trying not to have a panic attack. Literally, because I have performer's anxiety. And because I'm quiet, people were going, well, she's arrogant. And so I would literally go visit people just so they could go, she's actually delightful, and I actually enjoy her. I'm funny because I have to be. <laughs> her all go insane. Because think about it, I'm in, I'm in airports, I'm in these crazy situations. I have to have joy or I'm gonna lose my brain. And every good thing that ever happens starts from the inside out I'm telling you now There's gonna be peace in this house Is this a favorite guitar? Or I think it's probably one of the first so mm -hmm. they always hand it to me because they don't want probably the other ones are tuned and ready to go so they want me to play something that's when and how did you learn to play the guitar? Necessity. We had no TV, no telephone. It was there. Right. It was either that or torture Ashley. <laughs> um, you know how life comes down to those destiny moments where my mom just happened to have a guitar that someone gave to her. She doesn't even play. And she had it and I just picked it up and went, and then it became an appendage. Do you remember the first tune you played? Yes, I do. I remember the first song I learned was for my grandfather, my papal Judd. Um, it was, it was either his birthday or it was just one of those, we want to show you that we're going to be famous. I think my mom said we're going to learn this song to um, make him see that we were really talented. <laughs> And um, is that the one you want me to do? Sure, if you could do that, that'd be great. Are you sure? Now I think what I'll do is, A, it's an Elvis song, B, it was our first song, and when I walk out in front of thousands of people and you hear this, then you'll hear it, kind of thing, versus, because we could go all day to the stuff that I learned, but let me do that 
first, you know when you remember, you remember your first job, right? I do. I think the thing for me that I'm thinking about today is, and when I said I was going back to the well, is I remember where I was, almost what I was wearing the very first time that mom and I were ever on the radio, that I heard it. We were sitting at Nolensville Road. There was an intersection. We pulled the car up to the stoplight. Imagine us sitting in the back seat. Mom is reeking of jungle gardenia perfume, which is giving me a headache. I'm car sick. And we're sitting there and I hear. Had a dream about you, baby. See, you have to say it like that. Baby. <laughs> Had a dream about me. See, there was a lot of that going on. I don't know why at 18. And you had a dream and I woke up crying. Well, I can try, but I just can't stop. And the time was dragging by TikTok. Well, my heart, it just can't love no one. Now what's cool about that is it wasn't a hit for Elvis, but it was ours. It was our first song. And from there, my mother went and quit her job as a nurse that next day or something. And the next thing I know, it's smoking up the charts. And it was just that first, and I remember people saying they pulled the car over like, what is that sound? Because it was just an acoustic guitar in a time when everything was really slick right. production. And it was just... So I love being able to walk out on stage in front of, you know, a big crowd, and that's all you hear. And to me, that is where I'm headed, is back to this and this. And that's what you mean when you say it's a raw sound. It's a... When you hear this, you don't hear that much anymore on the radio. You just hear all the slick. Right. Sometimes I wonder if it's even a guitar. It's so slick. But to, to hear it perfectly imperfect, it's not totally tuned, it's just... Had a dream, like, you know, about you, baby. It's like, you can't duplicate that with a machine. Right. And so all the um, Winona-isms, they call it. I couldn't say you. I had to go, yo, People just go, And I developed a style, they say, out of ignorance. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I liked it. And now all of a sudden, I'm making money and going, wow. I did it, I love that ignorance, you know, thing of not knowing any better is what I love the most. And it became our sound. And what a sound. Thank you again, and thank you <laughs> well, for thank this. Well, thank you for listening. Think, oh, I don't I get to do it. that very I much. I love it, oh, I love it. So. And that's the big interview for tonight. We're always eager to hear what you have to say. So please follow us on Facebook and Twitter or send your comments to viewer at access.tv.
Well, that wraps up another fantastic episode of Dan Rather's The Big Interview. Now remember, if you love what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And of course, leave us a review and tell a friend. Thank you for joining us for Dan Rather's The Big Interview, where music and conversation come together.